You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Hello, and welcome to Working Like Dogs on Pet Life Radio. Thank you for joining us today. We're your hosts. My name is Marcy Davis, and my co-host, my service dog, Whistle. And we're thrilled that you could join us as we're going to talk about something really important to all service dog partners today, and that is the topic of eye care. And we have two very special guests today, Dr. William Miller and Stacy Daniel, and they're both representing the American College of Veterinary Ophthalmology. And Dr. Miller is a graduate of Louisiana State University. He's a diplomat in the American College of Veterinary Ophthalmology, and he completed an internship and residency at Auburn University. And Dr. Miller has referral offices in Jackson, Mississippi, Little Rock, Arkansas, and Memphis, Tennessee. So he's got lots of great things to share with us today. And Stacy Daniel, who's also joining us, is the Executive Director of the American College of Veterinary Ophthalmology. And they're going to talk with us today about a very important and exciting week that's coming up, the week of May 3rd, and that is the ACVO Mariel's National Service Dog Eye Exam Day. So we're going to take just a quick break and get some messages from our loyal and valuable sponsors. And we hope you'll come right back and join us with Dr. Miller and Stacy Daniel. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. Hey, ready to take a walk? Not just you, but the whole family. It's the 2009 Whisker Walk, Sunday, June 7th from 11 to 3 at the Lancaster Fairground in Lancaster, Massachusetts. Pet owners and animal lovers walk to lend a paw to benefit the animal shelters and pet charities they love. Come see exhibits, demonstrations, educational programs, special attractions, product giveaways, entertainment, auctions, raffles, food, fun, and things for adults and kids to see, do, and buy, both human and pet related. Whisker Walk 2009, a fun day for everyone. For more information, log on to whiskerwalk.org. Pets can be a wonderful addition to your life because they're a member of the family. Keeping them healthy and happy is important. Pet Life Radio presents The Pet Doctor with veterinary media consultant and veterinarian Dr. Bernadine Cruz. Whether you have a dog, cat, reptile, or rabbit, you'll find answers for your pets straight from the vets. The Pet Doctor, on demand every week, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Working Like Dogs on Pet Life Radio. 
And I'd like to welcome to our show today Dr. William Miller and Stacy Daniel from the American College of Veterinary Ophthalmology. So welcome, Dr. Miller and Stacy. Thank you, Mark. Thank you. Well, I'm so thrilled that you can be here with us today because you have something very exciting coming up, and that's National Service Dog Eye Exam Week. So do you want to tell us how did that come about, Dr. Miller? Well, ophthalmologists, veterinary ophthalmologists across the country have been doing service dogs all for years. In my practice, we've been examining service dogs, and, and we always do it, or at least in my practice, we've always do it as, as a free exam. You know, try to give something back to these dogs that, that really perform so tirelessly in our behalfs with, with nothing asked in return. And, and that was true among many of my colleagues all across the country. And one of the problems with that is, although we like doing the service, is that we weren't collecting any data from it. And by that is, we were seeing service dogs across the country, and yet we weren't collecting any data that may help us use that information to prevent eye disease in service dogs in the future. For example, let's say we've got a search and rescue dog that works in an environment similar to what occurred uh, on 9-11. Well, if we were looking at those dogs and seeing how those their eyes were affected by the work they're doing, we may be able to make recommendations in the future in order to prevent eye disease and keep these dogs in the field and keep them doing their work. The other thing is we recognize the value of these dogs. We recognize that they can't do their job well, and hence they can't protect their owners if they're a service dog or protect the public if they're a working dog and either... Uh, drug detection or police work or search and rescue. And so we wanted to be able to pick up eye disease before it became a problem and be able to help these dogs overcome those eye disease before it took them out of service. And so that was the the idea behind it. And after talking with my colleagues and and um, uh, everybody was excited to, to be a part of it, for, for the most part, everybody that could uh, be a part of it were excited to be a part of it. Um, the, the real work came on Stacy to help get the thing organized, and, and that's how we started the first one. That is so awesome. And the first one started last year? Yes, ma'am. That is just wonderful. And Stacy, how did you get it all organized? Well, with a lot of help from Dr. Miller at first to help us put together the concepts and what dogs qualify and how it would work. And then my staff and I just basically rolled up our sleeves and started putting together all, all the um, the portions of the event that we would need and we had some help from some sponsors and such last year so it was really a team effort but overall it couldn't have occurred as well as it did last year without all of the participation um, that we had from the ophthalmologist so we just tried to put together a communications plan that would help the doctors be able to offer the same types of services and such to animals around the country. And um, and like Dr. Miller had said, collect that data, send it back to us, and have us collect that and um, make it available in the future. So it was definitely a collective effort. Well, that's so wonderful because I have to tell you both that I learned about this event last year when my retired service dog actually started having some eye issues. And he was having such bad allergies that it was affecting his eyes. And the ophthalmologist that I saw, it just happened to be in May, which is when you were having your event. I was not aware of it. But Dr. Kennard in Albuquerque, New Mexico with Eye Care for Animals saw my 
retired dog, Morgan, and actually saved his eyes. He was starting to lose them because of its very technical, Dr. Miller, that I I apologize. I don't know all the terms that I should be sharing with you, but all I can tell you is that your event touched my life and saved my retired service dog's eyes. So I can't thank you guys enough for the work that you're doing. And I think it's so important, the preventative, because I didn't realize that I needed to be getting my service dog's eyes checked every year. And and Whistle, our co-host, is getting his eyes checked for the first time this year. So how does someone go about, if they have a working dog, how do they go about qualifying for the free eye exam? Stacy can probably answer that sure. better than I can. Absolutely, uh, Dr. Miller. That's sure. fine. We had to sit down and try to prioritize which dogs we could service the first year. And the second year, we've been able to expand that list slightly. But we have the list posted on our website, which is um, acvoiexam.org. And that would include dogs such as guide dogs, handicap assistance dogs, detection dogs, police dogs, search and rescue dogs. And this year we were able to expand it to some therapy dogs. The key being that these dogs needed to be um, trained and certified through some sort of formal organization, whether it be regional or national in nature. And that just helped us to make certain that the dogs that are being serviced um, are qualified and Hopefully in the future we can keep expanding this out to different groups of dogs as we grow. But for now we wanted to make sure that these qualified dogs were seen and the the working dogs or the dogs that are in training um, were able to be seen if possible. And these dogs, even if you had your dog in the event last year, you're welcome to participate again this year. Well, that's just wonderful. And how many doctors are participating? Is it in every state, Stacy? It's almost every state. We have, I just asked my assistant this morning, about 160 this year. We need to update our website. Um, and they are around the country and some are in Canada. And it kind of depends. The, the ophthalmologists in general um, tend to operate in higher population centers because obviously a board of specialists, you need to have more people to draw from to run your practice. So um, if people were to be willing to go to those higher population centers, whether it's in their state or perhaps a, a border state that you know, has a city pretty nearby, they should be able to be serviced. So they're, they're spread out all over the country pretty much. We do have a, a reference list online that people can pull up and see if somebody's available in their area before they registered. Oh, that's great. I know because I live in Santa Fe, but I found out about that there was a board-certified um, veterinary ophthalmologist in Albuquerque. So that's where how I, I found Dr. Kennard, who's been providing amazing eye care for my service dog, retired service dog since then. So that's awesome. So how do, um, if a veterinarian wants to participate in this, how do they go about getting information, Stacy? Um, we've worked with the state veterinary medical organizations to try to get the word out. And AVMA, the American Veterinary Medical Association, and AHA, which is the Animal Hospital Association. So we're working through those networks to try to get the information out to the general practice doctors to then hopefully refer their service dogs or their clients to the ophthalmologist for this um, free eye exam. Um, So we're going about it that way. And then, of course, we've also um, been working from just direct press with with a PR firm trying to get the word out also. But we definitely hope for referrals because our doctors really focus on the general health of the animal and they will certainly um, help 
help reaffirm with these the pet owners and handlers that you know the the dog's overall health is very important and eyes are just one aspect of that so they need to continue their relationship with their general practice doctor also right and you mentioned that there are quite a few sponsors of the event can you tell us a little bit more about who's sponsoring it Absolutely. Um, Marielle has been um, a key supporter with this program the last two years. They were willing to step up last year and help us out when we had no history. We didn't have the program put together at all. Um, They showed a lot of faith in our efforts, and I think they were pleased with what occurred. And they're excited about what we're able to offer this year and kind of expanding the program and helping us get the word out through Marielle and their advertising also. Um, We also have some Um, other sponsors that have been key in helping us just get everything together and those sponsors include um, Hills Pet Nutrition and Kong Veterinary Products and Optogen. So um, with Marielle being our key partner and the other partners helping us along the way, we've been able to really expand the program and and hopefully get the word out to more um, dog owners and handlers to get more dogs in, which is the the goal. Yeah, that's just so awesome. And I am so thrilled that you're keeping data. I think that's so important to really look at how many dogs are coming in, what kinds of dogs. What other kind of data, Dr. Miller, are you capturing through this event? Well, we're we're capturing how the eye changes in relationship to what we're asking these dogs to do. Uh, We're we're looking at uh, vision-threatening diseases in these dogs, for example, one dog I saw here in last year, uh, a guide dog named Quest, his owner uh, had not seen any eye problems at all, had not noticed any any vision loss in his dog, and yet when we looked in there, we found an, a tumor on this dog's optic nerve. And so we were able to catch that tumor in such a state before it robbed this dog of his vision in one eye, which would make him you know, inadmissible for a guide dog for this person. And we worked with a local oncologist and uh, and were able to treat this eye. And, and I'm pleased to say that, you know, Quest will be joining us for his eye exam again this year. And, and he's doing quite well and still in service. Uh, so that's the kind of information we're trying to capture. We want, we want to be able to be, be proactive in the ocular health of these dogs. Uh, again, recognizing the value of these animals to, to, their, to their animal handler, to their owners, and to the community as well. Absolutely, because like you said, these dogs are so much time and money and love and care goes into them to enable them to be a successful working dog. And part of that success is around their eye care and their ability to see and to use their eyes to help them in service. I I know it's just such a an important thing. I know my role as a service dog partner member is to make sure that Whistle is in the best possible shape that he can be in. And that's my responsibility to him, just like his responsibility is to assist me in doing physical things that I'm not able to do. So it's such a partnership and eye care is just such a critical piece of that. And when these dogs are young and fit like Whistle is right now, you don't really think about the importance of getting that eye exam, but it is so important. It, it really is, Marcy, and, and because, you know, I always tell a lot of my clients, it's like the old Groucho Marx line, if I know I was going to live this long, I'd have taken better care of myself. Well, <laughs> if, we can, if we can keep these dogs healthy younger in life, we can keep them in the field and keep them in service, and so you don't have to go through the heartache of, 
of retiring Whistle and then or having Whistle not be able to do his job and then having to replace Whistle with another dog and develop a new relationship. You know, we can extend these, these dogs' working lives and, and as a result make more dogs available to other people that need them. That's right. That is just wonderful. Well, we're talking today with Dr. William Miller and Stacy Daniel, and we're going to take just a quick break and hear from some of our sponsors, and we're going to come back and talk more about National Service Dog Eye Exam Day and also about some of the other eye issues that Dr. Miller sees and, and how we can all be proactive in taking care of our working animals' eyes. So please come right back. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. Greetings, human. What planet am I on? Welcome to Pet Planet. Here's a copy of Pet Planet Magazine, Florida's most informative and fun pet resource magazine. It features heartwarming stories and informative articles from local and national pet experts. Excellent. Pet Planet Magazine offers Operation Planet Rescue, helping rescued pets find new homes. And it's available at 500 locations in South and Central Florida and 24-7 on the Internet at PetPlanetMagazine.com. If you're out and about with your pet, you may be featured in Paparazzi, candid pictures of you and your pet. For up-to-date pet-friendly events, activities, and pet-related services and products, Pet Planet Magazine is your final destination. I shall take this magazine home with me. Back to your home planet? No. To my condo in Boca. Pet Planet Magazine. Check them out at www.petplanetmagazine.com or 352-394-8578. It's out of this world. Ladies and gentlemen, Pet Life Radio proudly presents DSPN, the Dog Sports and Performance Network. Get ready to unleash the dog sports enthusiast in all of us. From speed drawing and mushing to racing, agility, and competition. This is the place to learn all about the dog sports and activities that you can do with your furry best friend and canine competitor. So get ready for game time. DSPN with your host, Lori Williams. Every week, on demand. Only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Working Like Dogs on Pet Life Radio. And we're talking today with Dr. William Miller and Stacy Daniel. And we're talking about the wonderful, just so important National Service Dog Eye Exam Week that's coming up the week of May 3rd. And we've been talking about that today. And, and I wanted to ask Dr. Miller, talk to us and our listeners about some of the most common eye problems that you've seen in working dogs. Well, we don't see it. Fortunately, we don't see a lot of ocular disease in working dogs. Uh, I've seen some cataracts in some working dogs. I've seen some intraocular tumors in some working dogs. And some of the dogs that are going into some of the urban environments and with some of our police officers here in Memphis, we've seen dogs that have had eye injuries and either, you know, doing their job in pursuit of a, of, uh, of a criminal or have injured their eyes in search and rescue or in bomb detection or things like that. And those have been fairly easy to, to take care of and treat and resolve. 
you know, one again, the biggest thing on on the working dogs is is we want to develop a database to be proactive. Yeah, that's so important. And are you seeing different? So you're tracking them by the type of working dog that they are, or how are you tracking them? Well, we'd be tracking them not only by breed and age, also the type of working animal they are, and hopefully you get some inference from that about the environment that they're working in. Uh, you know, what the environment, say, a bomb detection dog may be totally different than a, a, a guide dog or a, or a physical assistance dog. And so, you know, what we'd like to do is, is, is since this hasn't been done, we're not real sure exactly where the data is going to collect. So we're going to, or point us to, so we're going to collect as much data as we can and, and try to make some uh, inferences from that in the future. That's great. And Stacy, uh, have you guys thought about what you're going to do with that data? Will it be available through your website or to the public? Have you thought about that? I think Dr. Miller, he might be better to answer that, but I think the intent is for the diplomates of the college and residents and such to be able to use this for research to come to conclusions to ultimately make recommendations to people. I don't know if the raw data would be um, very helpful to the individual service dog owner. Dr. Miller, am I correct in that yeah, assessment? I would, say that, okay. I would say that's an accurate uh, assessment, Stacey. What, okay. what we hope to do is that you know, a resident in training may take a look at this data or, or one of the ophthalmologists may gather this data and look at it and then uh, based on their interpretation of the data, uh, be able to make some recommendations. And then those recommendations would go out to the general public or the various working dog groups. Okay. Okay, great. Well, and Stacy, could you tell us what does board-certified veterinary ophthalmologists really mean? Thanks for asking, Marcy. Um, well, just like in human medicine, you might go to your general practitioner to get an exam if you have some issues, and you might then be referred to a specialist, maybe a, a cardiologist or an oncologist or something if you have specific issues. Well, an area of veterinary medicine that's been developing quite rapidly lately, um, there's demand for specialists, board-certified specialists with veterinarians, and these are folks that have gone beyond their um, their DVM, which is their doctorate of veterinary medicine degree, and they typically um, look for an area of medicine, specialty medicine that they're interested in. For instance, ophthalmologists are one. We also have surgeons, internal medicine. Um, there's there's a whole litany of them that are developing right now, and people can go to those specialist for specific treatment. And these specialists have gone through advanced training. Typically, from organization to organization, the training might differ slightly, but typically there's an internship program that has to be um, completed. Um, our doctors also have to successfully complete three years of a residency program, which is very competitive to get into, and pass some credentialing um, requirements, and ultimately pass a series of exams to become boarded. So by the time this person becomes a board-certified ophthalmologist, they are the best of the best. And I can say that's probably um, the same with the surgeons in internal medicine and some of the other groups that are out there too. So you know that you have somebody that really has a special focus on that one particular need of the animal instead of an overall focus um, on overall health of the animal. And that's why the general practitioner and the specialists really work well together. 
Okay, great. And can you tell us about the American College of Veterinary Ophthalmologists? So I'm guessing that all the board certified participate in that, Stacy. Is that true? Yes, they, if somebody is interested, let's say they're a general practice um, veterinarian and they want to become a, a specialist, they would um, essentially go through the American College of Veterinary Ophthalmologists and conduct a residency, an approved residency program. Just like I said earlier, they have to go through a series of passing things like credentialing, which is essentially just saying that they have passed their residency program, and then they need to go in and pass a series of exams and in order to become boarded. Um, the, the organization focuses, the, let me back up, the whole purpose of the organization is essentially to certify these doctors and make them available to the public, but we also offer member services to these doctors and, and continuing education and then services to the public, but the main um, premise of the organization is a credentialing organization to make sure that these doctors are um, well-trained for what they need to do and um, make sure that they service the public correctly, which they do. So they have a great track record. These doctors are very, very committed and and just their participation in this program should show that. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's wonderful. And Dr. Miller, can you describe to us what one of these exams will be like? So, so one of our listeners, if they want to bring in their dog, they'll know what to anticipate? You bet, Marcy. Typically, what we will do is we'll have the, the people will have already filled out the information from the website. Uh, and they'll come in and we will examine the eyes. A typical exam involves looking at the front half of the eye first, mostly with a device called a slit lamp. And once that is examined, depending on what we're asking that dog to do that day, we'll either dilate the pupil or we won't dilate the pupil. If the pupil's dilated, it'll take about 10, 15 minutes to get the eye dilated, and then we'll examine the back part of the eye, looking at the retina, the optic nerve, the lens, and things like that. One of the things that, that we're cautious about, let's say we've got a, a guide dog, and that owner has got things they have to do that afternoon. Well, in a routine eye exam, dilating a dog really doesn't affect their vision significantly like it does in people. But just to be on the safe side, I probably wouldn't dilate that guide dog for that day. Now, if the people are not going to be doing anything for the next four hours in order to, to really do a more thorough exam, I would dilate the, dilate the pupil. Typically, the eye exam is very similar to what you would have done in your, at your ophthalmologist's office. Uh, and what we're going to do is this is a survey exam. If disease is found, uh, we'll discuss with the partner uh, about that disease and what needs to be done in order to get that problem resolved. Well, that's wonderful, and I know when I took my retired service dog in for his exam, they were just so respectful. They did as much of the exam as they could with him by my side, and and even some of the other procedures that they did, they let me go in the back with him, which I just thought was so respectful um, of his role and, and mine. It was really comforting to both of us that they didn't separate us, you know, that I was able to participate in as much of that as 
was physically possible, which is some of the things that you've been describing. I just am so impressed with the way the ophthalmologists that are, they're so sensitive to the role of the working dog and what that means. Because so many veterinarians don't understand that a working dog, especially for someone with a disability like myself, it's part of my body. (laughs) It's just like my wheelchair, my working dog. And to have that respected just makes the process so much smoother and alleviates the stress for both me and my working dog. Another part of this this whole process, Marcy, is to educate not only the service dog partner, but the, the, the general public about eye exams and, and the importance of an eye exam in their, in their animal's life, uh, to emphasize the need for, for good eye exams, and, and to prevent disease before it becomes either blinding or, or, or damaging the eye in some way that is irre- irreparable. And would you, what would you recommend, Dr. Miller, to people that have working dogs in order to make sure that they're being really responsible and taking good care of their service dog's eyes? Well, I, th- I think the first thing is, is good general health care, you know, and that becomes a partnership between you and your veterinarian. The veterinarians I work with in Memphis are just amazingly good about, you know, taking good proactive health care, uh, good preventive health care on these service dogs, uh, and then and then explaining the need to that to their to their partners. As far as the eyes go, uh, what we want to do is is we just really don't know the instance of ocular disease in service dogs. Up until last year, no one had done a comprehensive study. Uh, and started to gather that data. Now, where this data, where this data is going to take us in the future, we just don't know. Hopefully, we'll do this for several years, and we'll be able to say, "Hey, there's no threat to your dog's ocular health." But we do know that just like people, as these animals go through an aging process, their eyes change with age. And what we want to do is be able to proactively look at those changes and be able to help these service dogs adjust to their age-related vision change and then be able to use that information to help their partners understand how their dog's aging because these dogs age far faster than we do. And, and we don't want those the normal aging process to become a factor in taking these dogs out of service prematurely. You're exactly right, and I am just so thrilled. I cannot thank you and Stacy enough for the work that you're doing and your leadership and making sure that that people with working dogs have the opportunity to get an eye exam and also that you're looking into the future and gathering some data so that you can really do a comprehensive study on the impact and the effects of of eye issues for these these amazing working animals. So tell me again, Stacy, if someone wants to get an eye exam, they want to participate in this year's event, what should they do? Well, first they need to, um, if they have access to the Internet, they go to acvoiexam.org, and when they open that up, they can check to see if their dog qualifies first. And then if the dog qualifies, they may want to check for availability in their area and see who's nearby or where they'd need to travel to if they wanted to have the eye exam done. After that, it's pretty simple. They just fill out a little online form and a confirmation will be sent to them. And the confirmation has um, a registration number and they can take that with them to their appointment. Um, after they make the complete the registration form, they can then contact 
one of those doctors that they were interested in and make an appointment. So all we ask after that is that they please make sure that they bring any paperwork that shows that they are a service dog, that they're trained, and that confirmation form to an appointment, and hopefully show up early for the appointment since these are you know, being generously offered by our doctors. And um, everything else should be, they should be able to be led through the process at the clinic um, and they'll be told specifically which dates and which times are available at different clinics because that's dictated based on the clinic's um, needs and such. So if um, somebody has uh, accessibility issues, they can certainly give us a call and we can help them fill out the form um, online um, over the phone and we can get them that, the information that they need over the telephone instead. So Great. And what number should they call, Stacy? Um, the ACBO's main number is 208-466-7624, and we do ask that unless people have accessibility issues that they do it online, because we have a very small staff, so it's difficult for us to do that if we were inundated, but if they can do, cannot access online, we'd certainly be happy to help them over the telephone. That's wonderful. So you're really, truly making it accessible to everybody. We're trying. (laughs) (laughs) That's so exciting. Well, I'm so sorry we're out of time, but I would like to sincerely thank our guests today, Dr. William Miller and Stacey Daniel, for being with us and talking about their exciting event, National Service Dog Eye Exam Day, um, which will be celebrated the entire week of May 3rd. And I hope that our listeners, if you have a working animal, you will really take advantage of this wonderful opportunity and make sure that we're all taking good care of our working animals' eyes. So thank you for joining us, and I'd like to thank our producers for making our show possible. Um, If you want more information about National Service Dog Eye Exam Day, again, that website is acvoiexam.org. And if you'd like to contact me, if you have any feedback for us or comments or ideas for a show, please email me at marcy at petliferadio.com. So thanks so much for joining us, and I hope you'll come back and hear more about working dogs of future shows. Thanks so much. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.